0: Welcome to Startup Dads, a podcast about the highs and lows of building a business and raising a family at the same time. For more information about the topics we cover on the podcast and other Startup Dads related content, you can follow us on Twitter at Startup Dads Pod. I'm Amrit, co founder of Hyper Exponential, a tech startup that I co founded in 2017. It's grown from a two-person team working out of my kitchen to a profitable business with several large clients and more than 20 team members across London and Europe. I'm also dad to Evie. My first child who was born last December. So welcome to another episode of Startup Dads, or should I say Startup Mums, because I'm delighted to say we've got our very first Startup Mum on the podcast today. I've got Rachel Carell. Rachel, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what makes you a Startup Mum?
1: Sure. Um, so I'm I'm Rachel. I'm the CEO and founder of Coru Kids, and we're a childcare tech startup based in London. We recruit and train and match and manage nannies, um, specialising in after-school care for that, that tricky after-school period. But um, we're actually growing a lot uh, beyond that now, and we're about to launch some extremely exciting new services this year, um, which I may or may not uh, <laughs> tell you more about as we go. I have got two kids. One of them is three years old and the other one six years old. And uh, the six-year-old was the inspiration for me to do my startup in the first place when I was I was actually the CEO of a healthcare company. And I had my first baby and I experienced childcare and realized how incredibly difficult it was. And it kind of took me by surprise because I assumed there would be a system and there wasn't a system. And so I founded Cory Kids to solve the, not just the problem that I, I faced, but um, all the many variations of it that I saw my friends facing as well. And then I had my second um, child right in the midst of um, of doing this startup thing. So that makes me a startup mom.
0: Amazing. You are incredibly well qualified to talk about all of the trials and tribulations, highs and lows of both parenthood and, uh, and foundership. So brilliant stuff. So Rachel, let's jump in. So Coru Kids, you know, starting a nanny business, it's amazing to see how Coru Kids has been one of the successful pandemic pivots. Can you tell me a little bit about how you adapted your business in response to what must have been a completely unprecedented set of events for your clients and for you?
1: It was. (laughs) So we had a huge amount of churn in March when a lot of parents didn't want their nanny in their home with them anymore. So we had to very suddenly um, start looking at other things that we could be supporting parents with, and one of the things that was really weird and interesting about last year was parents were under so much pressure, and you know trying to homeschool and work at the same time it was just impossible. At the same time, a lot of parents didn't want to use the childcare services that were out there. So we did quite a lot of experimenting with different kinds of um, alternatives. So for example, virtual nannying, that kind of thing. We experimented for about a month or so. And what we decided to do in about April was actually just hunker down and focus on our product and... It was obvious that this pandemic was going to end at some point. (laughs) And luckily, we had raised a good round, you know, six months previously. So what we decided to do was just stay lean, focus on our core business and not create what I call pandemic product, like product just for the pandemic, but instead focus on creating the the stuff that we know post-pandemic is going to be the stuff that um, parents want. And that's how we've navigated through.
0: I think... That can be one of the hardest things to do is to stay focused at times like that, where there is so much uncertainty. So what motivates your focus on product and how you manage to develop a product that's really in- impactful to your clients in the long term in the face of the kind of challenges you were facing?
1: My motivation comes from a few different places. Mostly I get, I get really annoyed. <laughs> my, my motivation is based on annoyance. I get annoyed at how how dismissed childcare is. And I think we've really seen this in the pandemic, actually. You know, parents were under so much pressure and there was hardly any government support in terms of funding, anything like that. I get annoyed that this infrastructure doesn't exist already. I really think we should be thinking about childcare as infrastructure. I think we should be thinking about it in the same way that we think about roads or water pipes or bridges, you know, is fundamental basic infrastructure. And I don't think we think about it like that. And I don't think it gets respected like that or funded like that. And then I look at the impact that the lack of childcare, of good quality childcare infrastructure has on my friends' lives, you know, and I have so many, so many friends who either had to cut back their hours when they didn't want to, leave the job that they'd worked so hard to get when they didn't want to, you know, move out of London um, for childcare reasons, even not have another child because they couldn't afford some of the costs and things. It's, it's, it's really profound, the impact that these inadequacies have. And Britain is one of the worst countries in the world for it, you know. In other countries, in most of Europe, it's funded really, really well. There's lots of great, high-quality provision in much of the world, the family, extended family steps in and the saying, it takes a village to raise a child. You like you have that because you have extended family. Unfortunately, in the UK, we don't have any of those things. You know, often, obviously, there's exceptions, but often extended family isn't around. And we don't have the government support. And so parents are just left to do it all themselves. And it's impossible, you know, we weren't built to do that. So my motivation comes from just getting really passionate about these problems. And then I think of the next order effects, which is a lack of women in leadership, because of course, this mostly impacts on women. And, you know, you see the horrendous way that the government has managed through the pandemic. And, you know, I just think we need more women in leadership. We've got lots of examples of where having women in leadership through the pandemic in other countries led to a lot of very empathetic communication, compassionate policies, very decisive action, different forms of risk management. Like I think there's a lot that women bring to leadership. So all of of these reasons I could go on, but that's enough motivation probably.
0: That's fantastic. And you know, I think one of the things I realized my first child, I had my first child after setting up HX and you realize how much support you do need whatever you're doing if you're if you're working you need huge amounts of support and you know you're absolutely right i think when you think about we have and did get a lot of support from my family when evie was first born and what this pandemic did is it made me realize it because obviously it was just much more difficult or impossible depending on bubble restrictions to get any support at all it made us realize how many people don't have any support right? And actually, the mechanisms don't exist. Quite frankly, you know, it's difficult enough as it is with support. And without the support, you know, I've got huge amounts of respect for people who try and get anything at all done with a small child. So I suppose taking that a little bit further, so, you know, particularly a business like yours. So how did you kind of thread the product strategy through the pandemic? And, And, you know, how did you pull that through into your sense of mission?
1: For us, it was really about sticking to our core, our core mission, and that is about um, helping families flourish. And luckily, we were able to think more long term. I was always inspired by that very famous Simon Sinek video. Um, you know, one of the most viewed business videos of all time. That people don't buy what they buy why, and we have spent quite a lot of time working on our why. I think that helped the team. And it also, you know, helped our users, I think, trust that we were trying to make families flourish. That's our why. And whatever we did, did or attempted to do, that was the detail. Um, But we never deviated from that central purpose.
0: You know, getting your why right is such an incredibly valuable foundation as your business scales. Focusing the mind on the why early is extremely valuable. So I suppose the other side of the coin then, thinking away from the product, is your team. So how did you lead your team through these challenges?
1: Yeah, I think um, once you've got that mission alignment, that is a large part of it. And I, I remember something that I read years ago saying that what um, people really need from their job is autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And in order to be happy in your role, that's those are the three things that you need. And Purpose is kind of the one that we've just been talking about. Autonomy, you know, meaning freedom. You get to decide maybe not exactly what you're working on, um, but, you know, how you're doing it and when you're doing it and where you're doing it. And mastery, meaning you need to have the feeling that you're good at what you're doing. You're actually like achieving stuff. So I think about those three things quite a lot when I'm trying to think about what the individuals in my team need. And purpose kind of comes naturally. Mastery sometimes needs to be balanced with development, but everyone should be working on, you know, something that they're mostly really good at, but also has a learning element to it. And then autonomy, well, that's kind of, that's been a really interesting one to think about when we're in, in a remote work situation because, in a sense, everyone has lots of autonomy. You know, they can work whenever they want. They can theoretically work wherever they want, but they can't actually because it has to be all of, always in the same room, right? So we've been trying to increase the flexibility that we give people. We were always pretty flexible, to be honest. Um, I think we were, you know, a typical startup in that way, but trying to increase autonomy. And I think to the extent that people are hemmed in now, you know, they can't just go to a cafe and work from there. Um, that's, that has definitely taken a toll on people's mental health. But, you know, by and large, the culture that we created pre-pandemic, I think, has put enough in our bank account, so to speak, the theoretical bank account of culture, um, that we've been able to make withdrawals on it for the last year and still be in a pretty good place but definitely cannot wait to get back together physically and start to make some deposits in our trust account rather than just always withdrawals.
0: I absolutely agree with that. HX, our business, we have a mental health coach that we've just started investing in that. And I think it's been something incredibly valuable and we're very similar to you. Can't wait now to go and recharge that recharge that battery. Do you, do you think about this? I mean, I don't know. This is one of the things I love to ask founders with kids. Do you think about that with your, your, your children? I mean, I know, you know, we've both got very young children, but do you think about that in terms of, you know, helping them and their development?
1: I absolutely do. So I am obsessed with child development. It's one of the reasons that I founded Corey Kids and, and I love working in the job that I do. So one of the books I'm, I've actually got it right in front of me right now is a book called The Self-Driven Child, and it's all about how we control our children to a way greater extent. Than previous generations so you know the stereotype is kind of in previous generations like in the in the 70s or early 80s whatever children would open the front door at the start of the day let's say it's a holiday and go out into the street and sort of roam around with their friends and like maybe come home for lunch and definitely come home for dinner and that was just their day and if you did that today depending on the age of the child you might find a knock on your door and social services has arrived right like that, it was fundamentally different now. And schools don't even let children walk home by themselves until they're year six. In other words, the kid is about ten years old. That is so different to when I was growing up. And I'm from New Zealand, so I also, you know, I grew up in a different country, a different culture. And um, in New Zealand, still now today, gives children a hell of a lot more autonomy and freedom than the UK does. So I personally, you know, because of my cultural background, I find UK approach very, very restrictive. Anyway, this this book is basically all about how we control our children, not just not just in terms of you know not letting them roam free, but when they are in the house, we schedule them, we give them tons of homework, you know, a lot of middle-class children will be learning two instruments and have like debate club and you know, whatever else. They're under so much pressure and control. And this then, and this book kind of goes into all the connections, lays the foundations for anxiety and depression and a lot of mental challenges that a lot of teenagers are having right now. And so it's something that I think about a lot. And even though my kids are only three and six, I think there's a lot of ways that, that I give them as much autonomy as possible. And um, one thing that I started doing with my daughter when she was four, um, which has been brilliant, is uh, giving her pocket money and giving her complete control over what she spends her pocket money on and i i have to work very hard to at like my own self discipline to not express any opinions about like i try to i try to not even show in my face when i think she's making a terrible decision you know i remember one day one time she she wanted to spend all her money and she'd saved up 6 weeks worth of pocket money or something on like a a nail kit that looked like it was made for a granny and I was kind of like no this is the worst purchase ever this is a terrible idea and uh, and I was like oh god but I I wanted to give her total control so it was like okay that's your decision and she freaking loved this nail kit like she loved it she got so much value out of this granny nail kit Uh, like I learned from that it wasn't about the nail kit it was about the decision it was about that it was it was her choice and you know our children are so starved of opportunities to make genuine decisions and like take control that when you give them a tiny bit of control they just soak it up they like lap it up so yes that is something I think about a lot.
0: (laughs) That's amazing and it's such a great story and it's just it's the parallels are so resonant between you know your team members and children in that way and I don't mean that in a patronizing way for team but you know it it applies to all of us myself uh, included is that often when you let people you give them some freedom and flexibility to follow the things that they see as important at work they surprise you in a really great way in a way you didn't expect. The former CEO of Evernote talks about the most points you can get with him are by doing something that he didn't expect and bringing something incredibly valuable to him. But, you know, it it just goes to show you you may have not thought it was a good idea, but it it was in a really great way and letting your kids surprise you.
1: Yeah, it is is amazing. You know, the more I learn about child development, I think the better manager I am. And the more I learn about good management, the better mum I am, you know? And... It's because, yeah, there's some differences in the way that children think, and there are parts of their brains that are not developed yet. you know, they don't have the, the what's called the executive function parts so of the kind of frontal lobe like planning part of their brain that develops last actually isn't fully developed until your mid20s, by the way. So <laughs> it really takes a while. There are some fundamental differences, but I think the similarities are more than the differences, you know? Children are complex emotional beings with complex emotional lives. And so are, so is everyone. So, so are all humans. And the more we, the more we learn about it, I think the better managers and the better parents we are.
0: It's been a, a, a beautiful, wonderful realisation for me. Much, Evie's 15 months old. How re- remarkably complex she is already. And, and quite frankly, how much she's got me down and her schemes and plans are already working. Uh, and that I need to give her much more credit I was just telling uh, our producer before uh, the show that I came over earlier and found her undoing the microphone that I'm talking to right now She's definitely got plans to play some tricks on me. So, at a very early age, I think it's amazing. And that's, that's a wonderful thing. As you, as you said, we're all just people. So, lastly, Rachel, uh, before we get on the, the kind of wrap up questions and startup uh, shout outs, what about you? You're the leader of a business. You've had to pivot, you've had to reframe, refocus. It must have been a roller coaster of a year. The steering the ship must be amazing, right? It um, uh, must have been amazing, but also brutal. So, what are the big lessons you've learned through the pandemic?
1: It has been brutal. And there definitely have been times of high adrenaline. That first month when we were just adapting so quickly, one of the things I'm really proud of is before furlough happened, before furlough got announced, we actually invented our own scheme of being we, we didn't call it furlough, obviously, because we didn't know that we know that it was gonna come, but the team reacted so quickly. It was incredible, you know, from night till day there would be government announcements and then The team would would immediately have help center articles written, emails out, brief the customer service team. You know, it was brilliant, and we were just operating on such high adrenaline. And then I think a lot of us just had a crash, um, and I went through the same thing. A lot of people did with you know just feeling exhausted. I think um, you know for the first time ever in my life, I was wondering whether I was experiencing burnout. I um, took some tests and, like, worried about my cortisol and, you know, all this stuff. And I've always operated at a, like, fairly intense level. I, I've always worked very hard, whether it's, like, uni or, or professional life. And, um, and this was the first time in my life that I'd ever really thought about that. So I think it's the big thing for me has just been the importance of rest. Um, and as a startup founder, you have to be relentless in your pursuit, and you have to be persistent. But this period has been relentless, and it used to be that I, we would have our commute, and I always thought that was kind of annoying. I didn't realize how much I needed it. I didn't realize that my brain needed that. I've become much more purposeful about rest, and especially brain rest. I did a um, transcendental meditation course about six months ago. I had never I'd tried meditation many times and I'd never really liked it and then I did this course and for some reason I just liked this version of it basically it was like a different kind of meditation and and I just liked it so I started doing that and just trying to be very purposeful about the rest that I'm having because otherwise you just never stop
0: yeah you're absolutely right I I think as a founder, particularly a founder with kids, you know, your time is something that always feels i, I think this is not even a founder with kids for all fa- founders your time feels just scarce, right? And the things that were an irritation before, you didn't realize what they were doing for you, right? Things like oh, I've got to take, you know, sit on the bus or um or I'm waiting in between meetings in the city or whatever it is. You're absolutely right. We take those things for granted. And Now that, you know, you can literally be bouncing out of one meeting into another. I think it's amazing how we forgot you didn't do that for a lot of meetings because you had to speak to someone different in a different location. And it wasn't a matter of closing a window and opening up another one.
1: That's right. Yeah, that's right. You know, I used to spend a lot of my day getting on the tube, getting off, walking for 10 minutes, you know, and all of these mental resets that we don't have anymore.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's exactly true. Uh, Rachel, onto the final question that I like to ask every guest. Um, What's the biggest lesson you've learned from your journey in entrepreneurship that you want to pass on to your children?
1: I think for me, it's persistence to really try and break through barriers. And we do have a saying in our family, which is you have to try 10 times. So the kids ask me if I can do something like, "Mummy, mommy, can you can you do this for me? And I will say to them, Have you tried 10 times? And the reason that 10 is important is because it's a lot of times. And often I find with, with my kids, you know, they'll do the same thing again and again. They'll, they'll kind of do it three times and then they'll give up and say, "Mummy, mommy, and I'll say, have you done it 10 times? And they'll go, oh, no, I've only done it three times. Oh, okay, try, try it 10 times. You feel quite stupid doing exactly the same thing 10 times. So the reason 10 is important is because you tend to do the same thing like three times, four times, five times, and then you get kind of you think, oh, I'm not going to do this. And then you try something else right? And you kind of try a slightly different way. And then maybe that doesn't work a couple of times. And then you're like, oh, I've got to do three more. Okay, fine, I'll try this. And it's amazing how many times, like, try number eight, or try number nine is actually the one that works. And it's because you've changed what you've done slightly. And you've you've basically iterated. And that's a skill that I think I would love my kids to have. And it's such an entrepreneur founder skill so that's why that's why we always say that
0: that's brilliant absolutely stealing that from you (laughs) i'm not quite sure i can use it on eevee just yet but uh, i definitely am going to use that i read something on twitter recently that talks about rate of iteration and persistence trumps brilliance every time and i think it's something that really resonates with me too so well, Rachel, look, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, absolutely honoured to have you as our first startup mum. Before we wrap up, uh, I'd like to close with our regular feature, uh, Startup Shoutouts, uh, where we shine a light on some of the organisations we admire uh, in in the startup or kind of uh, entrepreneurial space.
1: Startup
0: Shoutouts. So I'd love to give you a chance to do that. Pick an organisation and tell us a little bit about them.
1: Yeah, I've got one that I absolutely love, which is called Little Village. And they are a small charity based in London. And it's kind of like a food bank, but it's for clothes and toys and equipment for babies and children um, up to the age of five. And uh, I think it's been pretty tough for them during the pandemic because it's been harder to deal with donated items but as things open up, hopefully they're going to get um, a lot of stuff. And I love this because we accumulate so many things, don't we, for, for kids. I'm sure you're experiencing this right now. And, you know, a lot of things your baby probably barely plays with, a lot of clothes that you get given when, you know, when they're born. This is one really wonderful way of disposing of your of your really high quality things that another family could really, really love.
0: That's fantastic. We'll be sure to uh, link to them in the show notes and make sure that people can find out about them. Brilliant. Well, Rachel, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, how can we find you? Find Koru Kids. Is there anything you'd like to give a little bit of a shout out on behalf of Koru Kids for uh, before we wrap up?
1: Yeah. Um, well, if anyone needs in-home childcare, they should Google Koru Kids. K-O-R-U Kids. Um, and also we're hiring. So if you'd like to, um, to check out our team, if you Google Kids careers, you'll find all our roles. We're hiring a lot at the moment, actually across engineering, product designers, marketers, operations, customer service, all sorts of things.
0: Well, you should definitely go and check out Kids. I absolutely am going to do for myself again. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Many thanks to today's guest. You'll find links to them and their work in the show notes. To join our community of parent founders, head over to the Startup Dance Facebook group.